Fight fans. Scott Fontana here with Dan Urban for the Couchside Judges pre-UFC 253 show. We've got two title fights on tap as the action returns to Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. Israel Adesanya puts his middleweight title on the line for the second time this year against Paulo Costa, while Dominic Reyes and Jan Blahovic will decide who succeeds John Jones as the undisputed UFC light heavyweight champion. We're going to talk about both of those fights, but Scott and I have middleweights on our mind right now since we've been looking forward to Adesanya Costa for a while. We watched the fight that earned Boracinha the shot against the champion, a close, unanimous decision over Yoel Romero last year. So we're going to look that one over for past judgment. And before we get to that, I've got a very important question to ask you, Scott. Oh, yeah? What's that? Who is your favorite MMA middleweight ever? My favorite MMA middleweight ever. Now, that's not the best. It's just who's my favorite, right? Who's who's the one I stand for? Who's the guy? For me? It's, I. you know, I thought about this actually. Obviously, you know, we scripted this. But, you know, I, I thought about this question for a while. And I didn't want to pick Anderson Silva. I don't think you did either. I think we basically agreed. Let's just leave Anderson Silva out of it. He was he was the go for so long, and he's he's such a, a fun fighter to watch for so long. For me, my favorite, Ronaldo Jacare Souza. Oh, Jacare, that's a good pick. I love Jacare. I've, I've been a big fan of Jacare for a long time. Huge supporter going all the way back to his, the beginning of his Strike Force run. That was when I saw him tap out uh, Matt Lindland with the arm triangle in the first round. This is like 2009. And I, I just, I loved his submission skills. Obviously, he was one of the best grapplers in the world at this point, especially to have come over to MMA. Uh, and the fact that he was able to add to his game over the years with some serious knockout power, his striking isn't even that terrible, you know, considering this was a guy who really was just a grappler. It's not like, he's not like a Damian Maya who came in and eventually found his way to not awful striking. Uh, <laughs> it, he actually is like, he can, he can win with on his feet, you know? Yeah, knocked out uh, I love I love the alligator gimmick, you know, and he's kind of pantomiming the jaws opening and closing like the Florida Gator Gators yep. fans do, you know, and, uh, you know, the gator crawl. He, he's all about that. He's he's fun. Everything about him is just fun. He looks like a happy guy when I see him. He looks like a happy guy who also wants to kill you, which is like a great thing <laughs> in MMA. <laughs> um, you know, but I'm convinced that he's going to go down as the best middleweight ever to not compete for the UFC belt. And I think that's a real shame. That he never got that shot. Like, I mean, right? Am I wrong here? No, because other guys have earned shots off less. Oh my god, so much less. I mean, and we've had we've had Yo Romero who's had, I mean, technically earned three title shots. He only or four actually, if you count interim shots. But he missed weight for two of them. And you got you got Jacare here, who he lost a split decision to Romero a bunch of years back. That honestly. I thought he won, and we're gonna have to go back to that one for past judgment one day because I need I need kind of closure now that I understand the rules better. Yeah, we should uh, do and that. and the scoring. But if he can get four chances to win gold, and Souza can only get zero, that's a BS. I'm not I'm not happy about that. Yeah, that there's something wrong there. <laughs> awesome, awesome middleweight. I I love him. You know, I'll, I'll always I'll always stand for this guy uh, as much as as much as I can. I try to you know. Keep it down the middle as best I can, but you know you're fight fan. You you got you enjoy watching guys, and he's definitely someone I've always enjoyed watching, and will continue to until uh, until hopefully it get you know hopefully it doesn't get embarrassing for him. But you know I, I don't think he's anywhere close to that. What about you, Dan? Though who's your favorite middleweight ever? I was torn here, so it's a tie. Okay, my, who are they? My who, two who favorite two? are Chael Sonnen. Oh, of course. And Rich Franklin. I almost picked Chael. Rich Franklin, a math teacher. Winning a, a world championship, I always, I always love that story. His students probably were like, "Oh my god, that was my math teacher, and he just knocked this guy out. That's awesome." 
and uh, I really always enjoyed that. I always thought he came to fight. And Chael, I was always a big fan of wrestling growing up, and Chael brought, was basically the crossover from being a charismatic character in the WWF and into re- and turned it into real fighting, and I always liked that part of uh, his shtick. Yeah, you know, the, the thing I appreciate about Chael is obviously the, the personality he brought to the table, but, like, he had one of those styles that was like, okay, you know, he's one of those wrestle-heavy guys, you know, that you kind of, it, uh, probably about 10 years ago, People were starting to get a little tired of people who just wanted to get takedowns and all that. They wanted more Anderson Silva's, you know, they wanted things like that. But his style, if he got you down, it was it was fun to watch. It's like a because he was just an animal. He was trying there. to he kill would, you. He would really just try to pound on you as long as he could. The Marquardt fight for me was what really like, wow, this guy is dominating Nate Marquardt, who's also a great wrestler yes. himself. Uh, and, 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 and honestly, one of the better middleweights uh, of our uh, probably the last 20 years, too. Yeah, that that was really impressive to me. Which he only earned the title shot off of that win. Mm-hmm. Only to, only he only needed three wins to get the title shot. Unlike well, Chuck Ray, but you know what? He had come over from WEC and he was very respected over there. He had a couple of fights against uh, Paulo Filio before the wheels came off of him because uh, he was supposed to be great too. And then obviously he it didn't work out with Paulo Filio. But uh, he, I, I believe, he split those two fights. I think he won one of the fights. Over yeah, he, he got a decision and, and he got tapped out in the other one. Right, right. And then they, but he won the second one. Right. And that's when they merged the WEC middleweights over into the UFC. And so he kind of had the strength off of that too. He'd been with the UFC before, you know, he was notorious for getting caught in arm triangles or I'm excuse yeah. me, uh, triangles and, and arm bars and, you know, that really never stopped. <laughs> My favorite thing is when he lost to Anderson after dominating from him for four and a half rounds by armbar slash triangle was mm-hmm. he said, I didn't lose that fight. You know, just because the guy wrapped his legs around my head, he wins. That didn't, that didn't happen. <laughs> so he so yeah, claimed you know a, one, a win off that one. I, I thought he, that was funny. He always had a good self-awareness of it. Like, you know, some guys get up there. And they say they didn't lose. And it just it feels almost like sour grapes or they're delusional. When Chael would do stuff like that, you knew he was just trying to entertain you yeah. and, and play off it a little bit. And, and you know, take a, probably take a little bit of the pressure off of himself uh, as best he could. Because, you know, I've had the pleasure of speaking with him a couple times about his career. And I know how much he really, really wanted to win a championship. Like, I don't know if people really understand that about Chael is that he was in it to be a champion, not just make money. You know, that was obviously a part of it. But I do believe that the ultimate prize for him would have been being considered by everyone as the best middleweight on the planet. And I think that's going to always be his greatest regret mm-hmm. about his career is that he just couldn't get that job done in that, those last couple minutes of that fight against Anderson, the first yeah. one. I, I do I do question what would have happened in the Jones fight when he fought for the 205 title if that made mm-hmm. it to the second round with Joe's with Jones toe. Oh yeah, Jones toe was discussing that. I imagine he still would have been able to fight, but who knows? Yeah, I think as long as he's still fighting on it, I don't think anybody would have stopped it. Yeah. So I mean, we've, we've, and, <laughs> and uh, real quick before we move on, I want to mention Dan yeah. Miller, Jersey guys. Always love seeing Dan Miller compete at Miller. Dan Miller, good guy. Yeah. Good guy. He's, uh, you know, I haven't seen him in a few years, but uh, I hope he's doing well. Uh, his brother was on our show a couple of months back, said he's a blacksmith now and and doing some other stuff on the side. So, you know, hey, best of luck to you, Dan. Yeah, awesome. All right. Now, time to get serious, though. Let's it's past judgment time. So go ahead and let the listeners know how our scoring system works before we get into the fight. 
The CSJ criteria is basically the same as the ABC criteria, which if you're unfamiliar, it is available at abcboxing.com. I suggest you go give it a read. Like certified judges, we score rounds based on the 3Ds, damage, dominance, and duration. We just made a few key changes. A 10-9 round is a competitive round in which neither fighter checks one of the 3Ds by a large margin. A 10-8 can be considered for just 1D, but should definitely be given when 2Ds are achieved. A 10-7 is available for checking off 2Ds, but must be given if you check off all three. We've discarded tiebreakers for effective aggression and area control, as these are rarely used by judges anyway. The rare 10-10 would only be given in largely uneventful rounds. All this helps provide more varied scores that should more accurately reflect what happened in a fight. All right, Scott, set the stage for Romero Costa. Yeah, this was on the main card of UFC 241 at Honda Center in Anaheim back on August 17th last year. The headliner was Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier, the rematch they had where Stipe reclaimed the heavyweight title. Uh, but also, the reason this wouldn't have been the co-main on this card was that Nate Diaz returned after three years away, and he got the nod over Anthony Pettis in the co-headliner. So obviously, you know, Nate Diaz, he at this point in his career, he wasn't going to be just a main card fighter. That, that Those days are over for him. Uh, Romero came into this one uh, after losing his second decision to middleweight champion Robert Whitaker, although Yoel did miss weight by one-fifth of a pound for the, the most recent of those bouts. So it was a non-title fight. So that was that was such a shame, too. I, I spoke with him a few days before that fight, and he didn't seem too worried about making weight, but it didn't happen, obviously. Uh, he came in with a 13-3 and record, 11 finishes, uh, several by clean KO. The man had power. He still does. Uh, Costa, though, another guy with power, came in 12-0 with four wins in the UFC, and he just stopped Uriah Hall by TKO in the previous July. So at this point, Nobody had even lasted eight full minutes in the cage with Costa. He's just a, a beast who looked like the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, he's an absolute animal. The judges for this one were Mike Bell, Yerme Bravo, and Ron McCarthy. And the referee was Jason Herzog. So let's move on to round one, Dan. What did you see? Round one, I scored for Costa. 10-9. Okay. Definitely competitive round for sure. I went Costa because I thought... Yoel couldn't keep the pace. He was just, he put on such a pace, even though he was return, even though Romero was returning with good shots of his own, it just wasn't enough to keep up with the ones Costa was dishing out. For me, this was honestly, this was just a very back and forth fight is what I saw. You know, we had about a minute in, they had back to back knockouts, one knockdown. Uh, I believe it was Costa got the first knockdown and then Yoel got the second one. Yeah. In the second one, Romero's was more impactful. The second one was funny because Romero does a, hey, look over there, and Costa falls for it. He actually looks over there, <laughs> and Yoel hits him with a right and drops him. It was like, wait, what? The things that Romero can do in the cage are just hilarious. <laughs> He's sticking his tongue out the whole fight. Ed. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. The whole tongue thing. I was going to talk about that in the second round. It, <laughs> it was, I was I was in stitches watching that live. I was like, what's he doing with his tongue? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? This Again, This I thought this was a very back and forth round i thought both of them right. scored really well um i think what made the difference for me for to give it to costa because i i also went 10-9 for costa was he after those knockdowns he came back with much better offense yes. over the next couple minutes and you didn't really it, it's almost like romero kind of disappeared yeah not to not entirely but he wasn't really as active he wasn't landing uh so it allowed costa to kind of build 
a little bit of a, a a lead back up, not a big one, but but a noteworthy one. And after Yoel ate that hard groin shot, what was about three minutes yeah. in? <laughs> what an eventful around this was. Yeah. Uh, you know, both were obviously they were landing hard again for the last couple of minutes of the fight. Yeah. But I thought even that was still pretty even. So that that middle portion where Yoel wasn't doing as much, I thought that really cost him the round. So I had to give it to Costa. He gets knocked down. And then he knocks down Costa, as you mentioned. He kind of dis- just disappears. So I took that as mm-hmm. okay. He's affected more. He's totally being affected more by the striking of Costa. He's stuck against the cage. Costa's just picking him apart with the body kicks and and the punches to the body. And every time he throws, he's not throwing all that often. He's but he's still landing pretty hard. And like you said, he got that jumping knee at one point. I landed a couple of strikes after that. But I, I just such thought an explosive it was, striker he is. Yeah, I just thought Costa had the volume edge along with connecting. I don't know so much about the way the strikes affected Costa is the reason that Yoel disappeared. I mean, it certainly could be. I don't, I don't want to like say that you're wrong, but I, I took it as more just, he was looking for one shot and he wasn't really pulling any triggers, you know? Oh yeah. He does. He does do some strange things in there. He does very strange things in the cage. That's, that's part of the reason why I'm not ready to just buy into that okay. because he he's just the way he does things. is so weird. It's always weird. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you can certainly be right. Only he knows for sure. But, yeah, I mean, either way, awesome round, right? This was a fun one to watch. Yeah, this the whole fight was fun. It was. It yeah. was. Um, you know, I, I didn't think, you know, any of the other Ds came into play here, dominance or duration. You know, nobody really had any duration to their offense because it was, you know, it was kind of like a spurt here, a spurt there, you know, kind of right. one answer the other, you know. So it really didn't go that way. But the judges all saw it the same as you and I did, 10-9. This was, you know, uh, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say it was an easy call, but I do think there was a right call here. And I think the judges did get it right. Yeah. I I think Costa was the rightful winner of that round. Mm -hmm. What about round two though? Round two, I scored a 10, nine for Costa again. Yep. Me too. I was leaning 10, eight early in it. I was like, he's, he's working his way to a 10, eight here. That's what Uh, I, I got that in my notes. I'm looking at it right now. I mean, Romero was tired and, and Costa was just putting it on him, man, against the cage. And then he he let off the gas. I think he was tiring. Costa. Yeah, he definitely was. And Dom Cruz even mentioned, he goes, he goes, Costa doesn't get tired. And then, like, almost in the same breath, he goes, this is the longest he's ever been in a fight in the UFC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was... That was kind of strange. Sometimes, I mean, Sometimes they say some funny things. Yeah, his pressure does drown people, but he's also kind of, you know, trying to drown himself it seems a little bit yeah what happens when it doesn't work right and you know as uh, obviously as he was starting to tire after you know having really good success for about three minutes or so uh kind of hitting that eight minute mark of where you know he had never really been in an actual fight before and his hands are starting to get lower too so that's something that i think really hurt him a lot because it allowed yoel to to find the target a lot easier and he's so explosive that like you can't just do that. You're not going to get your hands up in time to stop right. the shots. So that was obviously a clear mistake for him. But I do think he had built up enough of a lead to be able to weather the fact that he kind of did let off the gas, you know, or right. was starting to run out of gas. As, yeah. As we're starting to kind of pause it here. Right. And um, Yoel was still trying for that. Those, you know, he's only throwing one or two strikes at a time. That's all he does. He's he's one of those guys. That's okay. It Look, it works sometimes. <laughs> you know, he's won <laughs> enough fights this way. Uh, he almost he almost uh, took out the middleweight champion two different times. Yeah, but uh, but no, I I do think he, there's only one way to see this, and that is as a Costa round. Um, but 
that said, the momentum was clearly heading in Romero's favor. Yes. Going into the next round. So even though on our cards, we have it 20 to 18. And, you know, in, in the CSJ system, we allow for, a, you know, a 10-8 in the second round is much more, or in the final round is much more achievable than it would be for these two on that particular night. But on that particular night, if Romero wanted to win, all three judges had it 2018. So he needed to finish. He didn't know that, of course, but he did need to finish. Uh, so having the momentum obviously was huge. The one thing I do want to point out, though, is that there was a last second takedown in this round, right? Right. And, and, there's a temptation, of course, to say, oh, Romero got the takedown. That's got a score for him. How do you score it? Joe Rogan in the final round, he even starts kind of mentioning the potential differentiating factor of the takedown for Romero. Definitely not. Right, Dan? I mean, this is no. it, it made almost no difference yeah. in the fight. You know, it would have helped if he landed some strikes or moved to a dominant position, but he didn't have any time for that. So that's not what happened. He got his, he got the takedown and almost got his back taken. Yeah. So in very quick, in very quick succession, right? There was no offense there. Yeah, so that that cannot play into the scoring of that round. If if you're sitting at home and and you've watched that fight and you think to yourself that oh you know what, what about the takedown? It's not there. It's it's all about the striking. And I think if you take the striking as the only thing to score, because that's basically what it was in this round. It was essentially a kickboxing mm-hmm. round. It's Costa. It's got to be. Got to go Costa. Yeah. So round three though, this obviously is the deciding factor, and we know that Romero didn't get the finish, but did he get a 10-8 in our system, Dan? No, I gave him a 10-9 for him. Uh, I thought this was a very, I thought this was a close round. I did too. It was, it was back and forth. You know, I'm kind of, I'm almost watching this round. I'm saying to myself, just because I know it could potentially change the result. I'm saying, is there a reason that this should go to a 10-8 in our system? And and I never got one. No, I I didn't, I didn't even consider a 10-8 for this. I mean, Costa has a good, first part of the round and Romero had good success in the late part of the round and Romero was really putting it on in this round too he was he was he was obviously trying to empty the gas tank of whatever he had left he kind of fell in love with that back fist jab thing he had going no it landed once and he threw it about like six other times <laughs> he strange man in the cage right he's, <laughs> he's a different cat that's uh, for sure definitely in the clinch he had really good strikes in the clinch big punches uppercuts uh, Costa was landing early with the body body shots. Definitely the kicks. I think those were really good for him. I just don't think they were better than Romero. Yeah, Romero. Honestly, for me, it was the boxing was really working for Romero, mm-hmm. specifically the boxing, and that's that's really his secondary style. It's he's not exactly a kickboxer. He can obviously he's got great flying knees and explosive knees and, and things like that. He can pull out if he needs to, but he really is bread and butter. Other than his Olympic caliber wrestling, it's the boxing. And it was working really well here. Yeah, this was this was this was his round. It was, and I have to think too if there were two more rounds, if this was just a if this was actually a five round fight, that Romero probably would have been able to find a way to finish it too. Is as as much as he we kind of give him a lot of you know a lot of guff for not being you know not having like a great gas tank or something like that, but like I can think of at least three fights he's gone the five round distance and almost won the fight. He comes on strong late. He can he can do it. it. He's absolutely capable. And if Costa was already tiring, which it seemed to me that he was, yeah, that's uh you know achievable. But again, this was just a 10-9 round for Romero, and that's what all the judges had. So of course, unanimous 29-28s for Costa this night. That's what I had. That's what you have too, right? Yeah, I have it all the same. I don't, I don't think there's anything different. Our scoring would have done nothing to be done here. Costa won. Close fight. Good fight. 
Costa got the rightful nod here. I do think if people were, you know, obviously the the decision wasn't popular when it was read. There was a lot of booze in the Honda Center that evening. I think probably round one was the closer round. What do you think? Yeah, round one is where both guys had really good offense. Yeah, if you, I mean, you look at the knockouts here, and even I said that Romero, I thought his knockdown, I said knockouts, but knockdowns, uh, I thought that his knockdown was the more impactful one. So if you're going to kind of grade one over the other, let's, let's just say you were going to pick a winner of the round based solely on the high spot each man achieved. That's like That's not how anyone would grade a fight, but if you, or should grade a fight. But if you did that, I think you'd give it to Romero because I thought his was more impactful. I did live, and except after the round, after we put our scores in, mm-hmm. when they show the slow motion replay, I lean for Costa. It was a nice okay. left hook, and you know Romero's like whole face gets shifted, and he, and he just falls forward. So I kind of think on the slow mo, Costa looks better. But in live, real time, it looked like Romero had the better one. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, that's what you're gonna grade. We're not yeah, machines right. here, so yeah. Uh, and we don't get the benefit of highlights and stuff. Obviously, we're watching a fight that we watched live years ago. And if we wanted to, we could watch it six or seven times before we do the show, <laughs> uh, time permitting. But yeah, I, I, I think it definitely looked more impactful. So that's how I would have graded. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's all the judges could do either. So, mm-hmm. um, But again, I, I don't think that this fight was all that hard to call once you really do understand the scoring, which I didn't at the time. And I do think... If I'm thinking back here, I kind of remember thinking Romero did enough to win. He kept it close. It was always close. Yeah. Even even around two where you had Costa fading. So, you know, if you're somebody who for some reason you say, oh, but those final two minutes of the round, that's got to weigh more. Well, it really doesn't. But if that's what you think scoring around is, then Mm -hmm. I guess I get how you got there. You're wrong, but it's. And also counting round one. The groin strike, which, you know, was like a minute out. So every time you get those breaks in there, I always have some trouble focusing, continue keeping my focus on what, what happened before then. You know, we had a break, too. We didn't even touch upon in, in the third round. We had that eye poke, uh, that, oh, yeah, that the eye Costa poke, ate, yeah. too. Uh, even though it was, you know, we had two fa- pauses for fouls, that still didn't take away from how fun a fight this was. No, it was a good fight. Even Jason Herzog was funny. He goes, you keep your fingers, you know, keep your fingers up and you watch the kicks to the groin. <laughs> and it, so I thought that was pretty funny. Jason Herzog has a great sense of humor. You ever see him on Twitter? <laughs> no. He's very. He's got a, this this dry humor that he he can. He, it's it's kind of uh it's kind of snappy when he goes back at people on uh <laughs> on Twitter. He does it in a in a very funny way. It's one right. that's not like inviting, I guess, criticism or anything like that. I don't think he crosses any lines. He's just he's a funny guy. So I always All look right. forward to seeing what he says to <laughs> fan interaction. And it's not always negative. Sometimes he's Someone says something positive and he'll just have something funny to retort back. And it's it's uh, it's it's fun. If you don't follow Jason Herzog on Twitter, you should look him up. All right. So that's it for past judgment. I think, uh, you know, we've, we've covered that fight. Good fight. But let's move on to the fights to come this weekend. Right. We've got the big Israel Adesanya against Costa for the middleweight title. I mean, this is this is a pretty anticipated fight here. A lot of people are kind of buzzing about it. I personally have been favoring Adesanya to win it for a while. Uh, and I feel actually even more confident in that lately. How about you? After watching this last fight again, I'm super confident Adesanya wins this in the late rounds. Costa is going to be exhausted. I don't know if it's going to be necessary that it goes to the later rounds, but I don't think it could. I really don't see it getting past like the end of the third round. 
because yeah, I mean, if, if you're going to be Costa who gets tired after eight minutes of fighting here and you're going to be dropping your hands against Stylebender, he's going to make you pay. Absolutely. Yeah. If Costa is, he has to be in better shape than what he was against Romero. I don't even know if it was shape. I mean, the guy just, <laughs> it's not shape. That's the problem. When you have that much muscle, it's just very hard to feed it enough oxygen. Yeah, but he did tell Stylebender he was leaner. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll when, see. Yeah. We'll see when it comes down to it. But I mean, he's still in theory going to have to fight for 25 minutes. He's not making it 25 minutes. I he does not look like a guy who's going to fight. And if he does make it 25 minutes, it's not going to be his decision. No, probably not. I I imagine I see a lot of ways for Adesanya to win this. I see a few for Costa, you know, but that alone, that always kind of helps guide me for who I think is going to win. If I see more ways and more possibilities for them to win. It's easier for me to go that way. And, you know, I, I will see, but I feel like Adesanya has this in hand and it's not going to be, uh, I don't know if it's going to be anticlimactic or anything like that. Cause I do think it's going to be a fun fight. I think the styles match up very well, but yeah, it's, this isn't some sort of like, who's going to win for me. It's just, I, I think Adesanya has got this easy. Yeah. If Costa wins, the only way I see it is, is a puncher's chance. I don't want to go that far. That's uh... That's the there's there's skill involved in what Costa does. It's just well, I'm and, not saying and, it's not and, skillful and strategy, but yeah, he has to knock him out, and that and has to be early. That's the way he has to win. Well, I mean that's that's how he's going to try and win. That's for sure. What about the co-headliner though? You know, we've got obviously it's Dominic Reyes and Jan Blahovich fighting for the vacant title because John Jones finally decided he's done ruling over 205 for the last 10 years. You know, with, with a few breaks in there, which probably take too long to get into, uh, but. I, I don't know about you. I'm looking at Reyes coming into this one as kind of the champ because I actually thought that he beat Jones. I think Reyes is, is going to win this one. Yeah, I like him too. He's hungry. People thought he won that fight against Jones like you. Like, yeah. And he's coming in to prove that he did win that fight and that he's the rightful owner of that title. I favor him very strongly here. Um, Blowage is a big underdog uh, on the betting market and I can see why, you know, Reyes, he, he really did look good against Jones. He faded later, but I do think having this five round fight under his belt is really going to help him in the second fight here. Blovich is a veteran of five rounders too. So it's not like he's a stranger to it or anything like that. But I do think Reyes being who I view as the, you know, independent of everything else, the better fighter of the two, I think having that experience in a five round fight in a big stage like that, I think it's going to help him a lot. So I'm, I'm going to say Reyes by decision. What do you think? I, I'm going to agree with you. Reyes by decision. If Blachowicz wins, it's going to be by knockout. Okay. What about the judges, though? So from what I'm hearing, it's going to be a mix between the main traveling judges that we see in the U.S. Uh, and some international judges. And it's going to be kind of different crews throughout the Fight Island experience. Wow. I understand that there's some people who are able to do it for certain periods of time, some that can only do it for other periods of time. You know, it's it's tough because these guys, they don't, judging isn't their full-time job in just about every case you know they have other jobs so it's not like they can just drop what they're doing and go to abu dhabi for a month if they want to hold on to their main source of steady income so it's a tough thing to expect for them to do but you know we'll we'll, we'll see some good guys there i'm sure i'm told that the ufc also pushed hard to get as many veteran judges um you know both from here and abroad as possible too so i, I would expect the judging is going to be pretty solid you know, probably just as solid as it was throughout this whole pandemic experience, you know? So we're going to see a mix of Apex judges and Fight Island uh, 1 judges. 
That's what you're saying. Probably, and, and for you know, for all I know, we might see a few other different names that weren't out there. I don't know for certain, but I, I have a lot of confidence that we're going to get good judging out there as well. It's just not going to be the same names every single event like it was in Fight Island. All right, that's fair. Um, and I don't know who's been assigned to the title fights yet. Uh, you know, I would, if I'm guessing here, I would bet at least two of the judges that we've seen in Vegas from this summer, maybe more. But again, that's kind of a guess. All right. But what about the any other fights you're looking forward to this Saturday? Honestly, I'm not super jazzed about any of the non-title fights here. I like the title fights, but everything else is kind of just, it's there. Um, if you, you're going to make me pick one, I'll say Brad Riddell against Alex Da Silva. That's a lightweight fight. Um, I remember liking what I saw of Riddell uh, in his UFC, uh, you know, in his UFC fight earlier this year before the pandemic started. But that's that's kind of all I have to say about that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Who do you got? I'm looking forward to Kai Kara France versus Brandon Royval. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Royval had a love the flyweights big win, you know, over Tim Elliott in his debut, and I want to see if he can carry that momentum. I hope he was able to quit his day job and focus on fighting and see what he can do. Hashtag bonus for Royville. Is that what you're going to be yes. pushing again? Hashtag bonus for Royville if, if he subs out <laughs> France. That's a wrap, Dan. All we got to do now is wait a little longer before we get to watch these two title fights on Saturday night. The Couchside Judges will be back on Monday, as usual, of course, to break down the judging from Fight Island action. Hopefully, no draw in the reyes Bohovich fight, and we actually get a new champion crown. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Couchside Judges, as well as myself at Scott underscore Fontana. And my DMs are open. Find me on Twitter as well at DanUrbanMMA. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you found us. Thanks, everyone, and enjoy UFC 253. Later, guys. <laughs>